internet, welcome to a special episode of Shortbox Summary. I know we've been away for a while. Uh, first it was the U.S. Open, and then it was football, and then it was family. I, I had so many reasons to not put out a podcast, but some heartbreaking news uh, arrived to us this week. On November 10th, 2022, Kevin Conroy, best known for uh, the voice he lent to Batman and Batman the Animated Series, he passed away. And uh, damn... Damn it. I don't know what else to say besides damn and damn it at that news. Uh, it, it dude meant a lot to me, and I'm sure it meant a lot to you if you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure you have some affinity for uh, for his portrayal of Bruce Wayne and Batman. And uh, I got my buddy Colin here, and we are going to jump right into it. Hey, everybody. Uh, and I have to echo those sentiments. I mean, Christian Bale is great. I thought Ben Affleck was amazing as Batman. He's definitely got the chin, but Kevin Conroy was was by Batman. Grew up with him on the animated series and all the movies that he he did as the follow ups and uh, uh, even the games. Ah, got the games. Forgot about those for a second. But um, yeah, yeah, sad, sad day. Really is, and we're gonna jump into. Christian Bale and Ben Affleck and, and where Kevin Conroy ranks. But first we got to get in our little time machine. So Colin, please put on your favorite time traveling shoes and, and take a walk with me. They're clown to shoes. December. Yeah. They're, all- they're clown shoes. <laughs> Perfect. Honk, honk, honk. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. <laughs> now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. Uh, Let's go back to December 25th, 1993. That is when Batman, Mask of the Phantasm came out in theaters. And it's so weird to think about in hindsight that like this movie was a theatrical release. It is 70 minutes long, 73 minutes long, a little over an hour, basically three episodes of the show, but it came out in theaters and uh, December 25th, 1993, Colin, this is actually kind of a stacked time of year at the box office. I mean, what else was 93 besides Jurassic Park that summer? Was it still in theaters, by the way? At that time, it was it was still in theaters. Um, it was still making money, but it didn't make enough money to crack the top ten in gotcha in December, which is really strange because number one movie uh, was Pelican Brief, the Denzel Washington Julia Roberts legal thriller, and that had been in theaters two weeks. It was, this was its second week, made eleven point one million. Number two was Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm. This was Good its family fifth movie. week. Great family movie, uh, which it makes perfect sense because, like, obviously your wife would leave you for 1993 Pierce Brosnan. Exactly. I mean, still for 2022 Pierce Brosnan. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. I mean, Black Adam didn't look good, but he looked good in it. 
Yeah, salt. He, he, all the commercials do make yeah the salt and pepper look is for sure. Oh my god, for him. And how? Uh, number three, the box office, Tombstone. This was its first week. Ooh, time out. I mean, time out for Tombstone. What a fucking movie Tombstone is. It it really is. I mean, it's the Hollywood version of the Wyatt Earp story. If we're being we're being real here, but it yeah, is but, a fantastic but Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner did Wyatt Earp, and that movie kind of sucked. Like, I'm sorry, I love Kevin Costner. Wyatt Earp is not like a movie you can sit down and rewatch. Tombstone for sure is, and Val Kilmer, a, a Batman oh, himself, yeah. fucking incredible in that movie. That is, I could be a Huckleberry. Yeah, yeah, he's the better Doc Holliday for sure. Quaid, Quaid is close. Quaid is close, but he's he's no Val Kilmer. No, for sure. And also Dana Delaney, who's in Mask of the Phantasm, also in Tombstone. That's pretty fun. She had two movies premiere the same week. Uh, who was she in Phantasm? Was that Andrea? That was Andrew. Yeah, it was Andrea Beaumont. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. I remember I saw the name in the credits and then I was looking it up on IMDb. I thought I knew the names of like the, uh, the rogues gallery, if you will, of the animated series voice actors, but she uh, mm-hmm. eluded me. I think she's like, a, I don't want to say this like this is going to sound so kind of like, I think she was like a real actress that they tapped. Whereas like uh, Andrea Romano, who did the the voice casting, she really went out of her way to do like voice actors and not necessarily like big names. So like that, that's the only reason I mention it. Like mm. Kevin Conroy had been in a few movies, but um, was mostly known for his voice acting work at that point. Yeah. I definitely have never seen him. Yeah. Mark Hamill, obviously being an exception because I mean, L- Lukey fucking skywalks like, a, uh, yeah. You know, but also kills it as the Joker, so, you know. Oh, my God, incredible. Um, number four, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. <laughs> Never Third, saw that one. <laughs> yeah, missed that one, too. Third week. Uh, number five, Beethoven's second. It's second week. <laughs> Did see that one, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, number six, first week for Grumpy Old Men. Fucking love Grumpy Old Men. That movie's incredible. That's I I've never seen it, but I got the both uh, one and two of the VHS covers in my head because my grandparents yeah. had them. So used to seeing those. Yeah, for sure. God, incredible movies. Uh, number seven, Wayne's World two, the superior Wayne's World movie. Mm. I'm I'm mm. I'm planting a flag in the ground and I'm wow to the death for it. Yeah, isn't the Bohemian Rhapsody in the first one? It is in the first one, but the second one has them going across the world. They go to England to find like the, the famous roadie that they need to help put on Wayne fest or whatever it's called. I can't remember the name of it. I guess that just means I need to rewatch Wayne's world too. I, I can forget what people say. I can forget what people do, but I never forget how people make me feel. Mm. And Wayne's world two makes me feel all kinds of ways. Like when I used to all climb right. the rope back in gym class, <laughs> that joke okay. from the first movie. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen either of these in way too long. I need to rewatch uh, them. Oh uh, man, if they're on Hulu, we got to do that uh, that shared watch thing on our on our quests. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that sounds we like a good idea. Way to do that. Uh, number eight, Geronimo, an American legend, starring Wes Studi, Wes Studi uh, as uh, as Geronimo. No, I've never even heard of that. I didn't see. I think Matt Damon's in that movie too. Really early role. Yeah. Very early. Well, this is 93, yeah. so this is like around before, school ties. So, okay, wow. So, yeah, early before um, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Uh, number nine, The Piano, which is a Miramax movie, so I assume it's really artsy and deep, and I don't remember it. And Weinstein-y? 
Yeah, a little too Weinstein for for my blood. Uh, number ten, Schindler's List. <laughs> oh, okay. So Spielberg had two movies in '93, two pretty big movies, or at least two big isn't two, important. Two probably like Mount Rushmore for Spielberg movies, right? Like it's those two. It's Jaws, and then Indiana Jones. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. I think we were talking about the four movies that would be Steven Spielberg's Rushmore. And I think oh. it's got to be got to be Jaws. Got to be. I like Last Crusade more, but I think it's got to be Raiders. No, you're talking to me, so I'll agree with you. Last Crusade. OK, perfect. Oh, good. We're going to have the right Rushmore then. And then I think it's got to be Schindler's List. Man, it's just such a different vibe from the others. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, probably that, and then in Jurassic Park. In Jurassic Park, yeah. Like, I feel bad, because he made other great movies, too, after that. But, like, dude kind of killed it in his first 20 years making movies. I don't know what to do about that. Yeah, hot take. I don't think he's doing many great things since. But I'm excited to see The Fableman, I think. <laughs> it I looks think like a solid Netflix movie. Yeah, it really does. Uh, that was number 10. Number 11. Breaking in 1.189 million. We got Batman Mask of the Phantasm. This has never happened before on this show, Colin. We've never talked about a movie that premiered outside of the top 10 in the box office the day it released. I mean, wow, I'm surprised it even made that much. But that's awesome to hear. I mean, it's a great Yeah, movie. right? Yeah. Uh, really quick, Billboard Hot 100 at the time. Uh, we're going to do the top five. Number one, Hero by Mariah Carey. <laughs> okay. Number two, again, by Janet Jackson. All right. Number three, All That She Wants by Ace of Base. That's the first one I kind of know. Yeah. Uh, you, you know this next one. Number four, I Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Hell yeah. yeah. But I won't do that, baby. Man, that song came out in July, I think, and it was still number four in December. Jesus, I don't even know what I was listening to at that. I was six, so I don't know. Yeah, I was I was three. I wasn't doing a whole lot. <laughs> and then number five, "All for Love" by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting. And I, I think that. it's very specifically by those three people because it was for the Three Musketeers movie that came out that year with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh yeah, wasn't that Man in the Iron Mask? No, that was Leonardo DiCaprio, and that was ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, got it. I guess I thought they were both in the same movie for some reason. But no, I think yeah. I've seen the Kiefer Sutherland one. Yeah, and then I think that one had John Malkovich, the man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, uh, yeah, wasn't he, he like yeah. Cardinal Richelieu? Yeah, something like that. God, 90s. Man, I miss movies from the 90s. Yeah, I know. Ugh. So that's that's where we were, December 25th, 1993. I mean, that's not literally where we were because it was Christmas. So I assume, did you go see this movie in theaters on Christmas? I, 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 not Christmas day i guess but i did see it in theaters it wasn't oh shit just, it wasn't just a christmas day was it no 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 it wasn't okay okay no but I, my my dad specifically took me to see it a lot of my dad and i's relationship was built on seeing movies because then we didn't have to talk to each other much and this was right either before or after their divorce so okay <laughs> okay yeah. okay yeah took me to see that i remember it all right, this movie came out, as we've said, December 25th, 1993. I was three when this movie came out. I didn't have a whole lot of agency in selecting which movies we got to see. I think in 1995, I begged and pleaded to go see the two movies I want to see more than anything were Muppet Treasure Island and Sergeant Bilko. 
I'm not saying Sergeant Bilko, but good call on Mother's Treasure Island. I, yeah, I think those are two great movies. I had like my movie vote like removed after that. Apparently, that 90, 1995 was not a great year for me in terms of uh, oh, let's trust the kid on what he wants to see. Muppet Treasure Island fucks Sergeant Bilko. I still think that's a great movie. It's just Steve Martin being weird for ninety minutes. It's fan fucking tastic. Sounds like most of his movies. Yeah, it's great. It's everything you want. I didn't see this movie until years later. I didn't see this movie until the uh, home video release. And I was confused, I'll be honest, because like this was so clearly Batman the Animated Series, right? But it also was so much more mature than anything in the already surprisingly mature Batman the Animated Series. It was so much prettier. That opening shot where it's like a three-dimensional or like view of Gotham, like the CGI rendered buildings yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, with them singing in Latin during, like, the flyover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, insane. And, like, I looked it up. I couldn't find a lot of, like, casting what-ifs for this, so I actually just skipped it, but instead I got, like, some fun facts. Apparently, like, they weren't even doing, like, real Latin chanting. They were just, like, chanting, like, the music department's names. Really? <laughs> yeah, as, as like, Gregorian monks or whatever they were doing. <laughs> it sounds so good. I was oh, for a hot second. Epic as like, hell. I should get this on vinyl. <laughs> yeah, right? Um... But, like, everything about this movie just seemed like the animated series, but so much more. Like, this felt like, hey, fuck you, we are a movie now. And it just seemed like they really brought their A-game. So, like, I knew this was connected to the cartoon I liked, but this also felt like a... I think even as a kid, I thought it was, like, a what-if. Like, it felt like an ending to something. And it felt like such, like, a explosive ending to something. That I, having not read a lot of comics in my life, especially not Batman comics I, I i do know because i've had plenty of conversations with you that plenty of artists write their own ending to a, a character right like this is the, yeah. the last wolverine this is the last batman in so-and-so's eyes this felt like if you grew up watching the animated series this is capping it off and mm-hmm. this could literally be the end of like just batman could hang up his cape after this and that would like yeah. that was how his story ended that's how this it felt so I agree with you. It was very final. Well, let's let me do a quick summary of the movie, and then we can jump into why it felt that way. Bruce Wayne's life is turned upside down when the old love of his life, Andrea Beaumont, comes back to town just as Gotham's oldest gangsters are falling victim to a new ghost-like vigilante named the Phantasm. So, like, the reason it feels like an ending, and I think it actually was, like, I in, in my half-assed internet research, it seems like this was supposed to be the end cap to the series, and then it got renewed for two more seasons. And, like, that's how we got the adventures of Batman and Robin, and uh, the, the new adventures of Batman and, like, whatever, like, the, you remember, like, the season three and four, like, how they redid the character designs and, like, t- yeah. changed things up a bit? I think that um, was technically, like, the, the fourth season. But didn't they make um, the, the Sub Zero movie though? With uh, they did that was Batman and Robin, so that was af- had to be after Phantasm. Then it was, yeah. But yeah. I, I think they were planning on going out and just like hanging their hats on this. Okay, I mean they, they could have. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why because like it they killed off like all the big gangsters. Like they weren't like the name gangsters from the animated series, but it seemed like they just killed off a generation of the thing that made Gotham feel like it was still in the 1940s. Like there was so much of the animated series that made that series feel like it was taking place in the forties, in the sixties and in the nineties. And even like in the two thousands, right? Like there were episodes where it's just like him on a back computer. And it's like the idea 
someone in the 40s would have had about a computer, but it was doing insanely powerful shit that like you wouldn't have thought a computer could do unless you'd lived through the 90s. Like it, like that show just did so many incredible things, I think, just for tone. And then this just came through, killed off like the past with icing off all those gangsters. And like it really seemed like they killed the Joker in the end of the movie, right? Yeah, the whole, I mean, what happens? Like it's so just ambiguous with that cloud of smoke and the laughter, which a great, one of the greatest Joker laughs from Mark Hamill, I believe Mm -hmm. is that end end bit there. But um, it also, I mean, this movie kind of implies the Joker's beginnings as well. Oh yeah. Like every, I know, I mean, you got the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, they have how he was created there. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I mean, I guess you you want to know how I get these scars. He never really goes into one specific story. But, like, yeah, this was a cool take on, especially the fact that he could just be some schmo, some, like, random henchman dude. Yeah, who just got, like, the the fucking mushroom from Mario, right? And then just became, like, a, a threat all of a sudden. Yeah. And I love that reveal where Batman's just, like, looking at a photo and he's just like, wait a second. And he just, like, takes a red pencil and just draws a smile on, like, the guy's face. And he's like, oh, my God! Yeah. And it's just like, oh, fucking world's greatest detective over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet if you uh, take the glasses off Clark Kent, you'll... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um... I hadn't seen this movie in a couple years and I'll, I'll be honest. I always kind of made fun of the people who said, Oh, the best Batman movie is actually mask of the phantasm. Cause I always feel like those people are being kind of like hipstery kind of, kind of shitty. Cause it's like, they know the question they're being asked, but they're trying to like outthink the person asking it when like they know it's like, no, I'm actually asking you of live action. Like you, you, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> and then I watched it, it twice this weekend and man, this might be the best Batman movie. Like, I hate to say it. I hate to, I, yeah, I, I hate to fall in line with those hipster douchebags. Sorry, Colin didn't see there. Uh, but man, this movie might be, might be the best one. What did you think revisiting it? Uh, I mean, it stood up and that you mentioned earlier, it's only what, 70 minutes, 77 minutes, something like that. It feels like it's an hour and a half, like, mm-hmm. or like a two hour movie. Like it feels long. It, hinges a lot on flashbacks that we get to see and I think in all these other movies the live action ones flashbacks are usually him falling down the well him you know discovering bats and building the suit but not not like him as a just vigilante guy in a beanie who falls in love like it was a tender side of Batman that we get to see like it's just everything about it holds up and the Joker's in it as like a I, I was thinking, is he, would you say he's a cameo or like a glorified cameo? Because he's not like. Yeah, he doesn't star. show up until. Yeah, he doesn't show up until like more than halfway through the movie, right? Yeah, like pretty much. If you're, unless you're counting his pre clown days, but like in flashbacks that they show. But, uh, well, no, because we didn't even know that was Joker for the longest yeah, time. True. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just. It, God, it was so good. Everything about. I, I, I don't know. If, you notice anything that didn't age well, but I, I feel like it was pretty spot on. Uh, I agree. I really like it because every other Batman movie talks about like the trauma of him losing his parents. And this had nothing to do with him losing his parents. This had to do with him losing the love of his life, right? Like mm-hmm. this was the one person who made him 
give up. Like he felt guilty because it's just like, I don't care about avenging you parents anymore. Like I kind of just want to be happy with this chick. And then, yeah. yeah, And then she, and then she bails. And so like, it has nothing to do with like Thomas and Martha, right? Like it has everything to do with him. Like, no, I thought I was like fixed. And then she, she bounced. It just such a like refreshing dark side, I guess to, to Batman, right? Like it's so nice to hear a sad story that isn't about his parents. Uh, yes, I mean, I like that he involved them with like talking to their portraits and their graves, like throughout, mm-hmm. like asking them for guidance. And for once, it, you know, it felt like you just said, it was like refreshing. It was a tender side, emotional side. I feel like we get that, but usually in the form of like, I want justice for the city, not like, I'm trying to get boned. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking hot redhead showed up. And also, she's rich too, so she's not weird about how rich I am. It's yeah. perfect. She might just have mob dies, though, if you guys are cool with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a mobster who killed you, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'd also like to point out that this is now the third woman that Batman has dated, or Bruce Wayne has dated, that has she's found their, their way into the Batcave. Vicki Vale walks in. Right. Uh-huh. Just like into the Batcave. We know Selena Kyle's been in there on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. And now, at the end of the movie, he like looks up and finds that like the glint of the treasure she le- leaves behind is in the Batcave. Oh man! And uh, Katie Holmes too. He brought her to the Batcave. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, but she was like fucked up. She was drugged, right? Uh, yeah. She yeah. So yeah, she didn't. Really... No, she was still there though. Okay. Goddamn, goddamn fear, fear toxin. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's someone else too. I mean, he kind of had like an on again, off again, flirty thing with Wonder Woman in the Justice League show. I never watched the Justice League. Did he though? I thought she was like with Superman. No, that was Lois Lane. It's always been Lois. Wonder Woman never yeah. tried to get in there. Yeah, and also uh, Lois Lane, voiced by uh, Dana Delaney, the woman who did Andrea Beaumont. Wow. Okay. Nice. That's yeah, a small world. Um, this is normally where we would do casting casualties. Uh, that's way more fun for live action movies, especially in like the early 2000s where it was like the same 10 actors going for the same 10 parts. Can't really do that one here. Um, so I'm, I kind of want to talk. So you've never seen Justice League, Justice League Unlimited? No. I'm okay. not. I know you've given me a lot of those movies and I still have yet to watch them, but... Yeah, it's, it's cool. I only gave them to you like five years ago. It's whatever. Uh, did you watch the Superman animated series? Uh, probably like a few episodes here and there, but that was, I was too hooked on Batman and I don't even know that I got the Superman channel. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Uh, the one I know you have seen is Batman, the killing joke. Cause you and I saw that in theaters mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah. Another and we saw that. Final... <laughs> yeah. Right. We yeah. saw that one specifically cause it was Kevin Conroy and Mark right. Hamill yeah. reprising their roles as, as Batman and the Joker. And man, that should have been the greatest Batman animated movie ever. And Mask of the Phantasm just fucking loops circles around it. Like, it's just embarrassing how much better this movie is than that. I mean, yeah, Killing Joke felt like they were just recreating the panels from the book directly onto the screen without much, I don't know. It was was very dialogue heavy because that's what a comic book is, but... Yeah, I was hoping. And then, for, the, and then the yeah. stuff they added was so awkward because it was just Batman fucking Batgirl. Yeah, that was weird. That, that was, was super weird. Yeah, yeah. That didn't help. No, <laughs> no, it did not. Um, 
this was like up there for me when I was a kid of movies I wanted to watch all the time. Like it was like this Star Wars Spaceballs and uh, the Transformers animated movie from 1986. I think those were probably like my top five. Stan Bush. He was right. I did have the touch. You do. Yep. You got the power. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like part of this was I know we were just talking about how Joker was more of a maybe a cameo ish, but like he's actually more ruthless in this than he is in the series. I mean, it's mostly off screen, but like you hear about his deeds, you see the guy, the Sal Valestra when he kills him, mm-hmm. um, like. I feel like that wasn't the Joker we got in the animated series so much. He was usually just like a, a goofy clown throwing baby dolls that exploded. <laughs> and like, yeah. Uh, so this felt like a darker take altogether. Uh, this with- this was this was PG rated, which I think was like the highest rated Batman animated thing at the time. Oh. And so they were able to be a little more dark and you're right. Like he is like, there's like horrifying images in this. Like, I I think I find this movie scarier now than I did as a kid, just because I like understand more than I did as a kid. Right. And I want to, I want to get into it, but like him, like at the old, like world's fair. And he's just like, clearly lost his mind. Cause he's like talking to like that robot wife. And he's yeah. ju- he's just like fucking insane, and he's like fighting Andrew Beaumont when she comes to like finally kill him, and he like already put it together, knew that it was her, and so that's like why she takes the mask off, and they get into a fight, and he's like they show him like reaching for a knife behind him, and then right next to the knife is like a giant a stick of baloney, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he just hits her with that. That like genuinely made me laugh out loud. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was good. He had some good lines up to that point too. That was uh, he's because he's talking to the robot. He's like mm-hmm. getting a little frisky tonight, <laughs> and then Phantasm <laughs> shows up, and he's like, "Isn't that always the way? You get in the mood, and company shows up." <laughs> yeah, right. Those are solid Mark Hamill Joker deliveries. Uh they they really were, and I don't know. It's just it's so funny because like you see. Like, for all intents and purposes, Andrea Beaumont is Batman, right? Like, Joker murdered her dad. He She pretended he was still alive, whatever, and, like, absconded. But then she, like, went around the world training and then came back to Gotham not to, like, protect this thing from happening to anyone else the way Batman did, but to, like, actually just fucking get revenge and get out. Yeah, she would have killed the farmer in Batman Begins. Like, that that's where they split. Yeah, for oh for sure. What a, that's such a perfect way to put it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, we we see it, and like, <sighs> do you think Joker died at the end? Like, obviously he he didn't. But like, if, if this were to be the ending, would you have assumed he died? Yeah, you know, honestly, yeah, probably because I I feel like that would be the end of Batman ever seeing Joker again like ever meeting him even if Joker somehow survived maybe he's just being in a cage somewhere that she's keeping an eye on but right I feel like that was the end of their time together so yeah a death is a definitely a possibility Mhm uh, let's see next category um how did you feel revisiting it after all these years I assume it had been a minute for you yeah, it definitely has been. I mean, the CG in the opening is ridiculous compared to now. So graphically, like, sure, it needs an update. But, like, 
it was still the animated series. It like put me right back onto that couch Saturday morning at like eight thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some of the dialogue, one of the lines for favorite lines I wrote down. I'll we'll we'll get there. But uh, a little corny, but I guess that's to be expected. It's a Batman thing. Sure. But, um, yeah. uh, I I still stand by. It's my favorite Batman film. I think Dark Knight Rises is my number one, but I, I like I understand the argument now. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm less antagonistic towards people who say it's their favorite one. It's not even that they say it's their favorite one; it's like the way they say it's their favorite one. Oh, it's like, well. oh, what's your favorite? What, what's your favorite Batman movie? Like, I love Batman Returns, and they're like, mm, my favorite one's Mask of the Phantasm. Actually, it's just like, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, fuck it is. You. It's such a. Pro- I, it, sad thing is, is I don't mean it. Like, I love all of them, even the campy George Clooney one. Like, mm-hmm. I love them all, but I just really like this one. I don't want to, yeah. I hope I don't come off as pretentious. No, no, you do, you don't. It's, I like, I like you. It's like actual comic book fans that I can't <laughs> fucking stand sometimes when they do that shit. And like, I agree. I don't like the George Clooney one very much, but Batman Forever, I think is like actually underrated. Like it the is. first one with Chris O'Donnell. Oh yeah. It's so good. I love Batman yeah. Forever. Uh, if I had to give the movie a grade at the time, I would give it an A plus because it was just so cool to see Batman for longer. And if I had to give it a grade now, like it, fucking Gran Turismo style, like S ranking, like I like I don't know how else to put this besides it's like upper echelon of comic book movie storytelling. Like it has to be right. Yeah, I know. I, I actually, I, if anything, I'd say that my rating then. Because I loved it then as a six-year-old because, like mm-hmm. you just said, it's just Batman. It's more Batman. But he's not in the costume as much. He A lot of those flashbacks are him beating people up and just like that dock worker outfit. Uh, and that's a, that's six-year-old a me was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, we're that, at a Batman movie. I want to see a Batman. Great... That's a great point. Like five year old me probably hated it because of like all the uh, like love, love the Batman and the Joker stuff, but it was just probably so like eyes glazed over when it was just like him lamenting the loss of this, you know, a- Andrea Beaumont. And I just didn't have like the vocabulary to understand it at the time, oh, but I like probably... it, it, it was yeah. so dark. It was so mature. And so like loved it because of that. But then just like, if I had a phone, that's like when I would be checking Twitter as like a five year old is like, yeah, when they're at the World's Fair on like their date or whatever. Yeah, or d- just during any of the plot building for me. I just wanted to see people fighting. <laughs> so I was just yeah. waiting and waiting until like the last third of the movie. But I've rewatched it over the years. I think I found it in a Walmart bin in Florida when I was there for mm-hmm. college. And I was like, no way, this is going to take me back. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I understand it now. This is like a, <laughs> yeah. this is a deep story. Like this is this is strong stuff here. And then I just like rewatched it every couple of years, especially when we started talking about it when I met you. So I'm sure I watched it again at that point. But uh, yeah, it's now it's like you said, S rank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And then uh, not a lot of stores around me being in middle of nowhere, Maine, but the Walmart like started blowing up their TV section and just like really getting like a lot of TV on DVD. And they were always like $50, right? For like a season of One Tree Hill or Grey's Anatomy or like whatever the show yeah. was in the mid 2000s. Seven and then, and a yeah. bonus disc that you'll <laughs> yeah. never and, watch. And it's in a box that's like eight inches wide. It's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I got 
I got space for this on my shelf, probably yeah. sure. <laughs> and then they started getting real cheap and they started becoming like 20 bucks. And that was when I started getting into Smallville was when this like first four seasons were like between 20 and $24. But then all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was a double disc of Batman mask, of the phantasm and sub zero, which I had never seen before buying that disc. And then that like rebuying that, that was when I was like, Oh man, I wish those cartoons were on DVD. And then I, you know, went on Amazon for probably like the third time in my life. And lo and behold, Batman, the animated series. And then like with my job that summer, I like made it my mission to collect everything animated. And then I found out like, wait, there's a justice league cartoon. I'd never heard of this. And the first episode I saw was like star like the justice league, like crossover movie. And I was just like, oh. fuck, this is, this is awesome. Dude. I, uh, I kind of conned my mom into buying, the animated series on dvd for me while i was in high school like a freshman in high school <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was getting rides to school from my friend who lived in my block he had a car so he would take me in instead of having to ride the bus and um i had an ebay account but i didn't have any money and so my buddy had the same the guy who's driving me in i'm just talking to him one day i'm like yeah i'm kind of going down this nostalgia kick and i want to get the animated series on dvd and there's one on ebay for 30 bucks and I just don't have 30 bucks. He's like, well, I'll buy it. You just give me the money when you get it. I was like, well, I don't have a job. <laughs> like, how am I going to get it? 14, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I uh, went home, told my mom. I was like, mom, Alex, just, I mean, we, we should give him some money for all the, like, he drives him, me to school every day to and from. Like, we should give him some gas money. And she was like, all right, fine. <sighs> how much do you think is fair? And I was like, about 35 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> So he bid on Damn. it and gave him the money, and then boom, I had season one of uh, animated series on DVD. Wow, you little you little snake. Look at you. <laughs> I know. She doesn't know that, and so uh, I'll tell her on her deathbed. <laughs> it's cool. I don't I don't think your mom listens to this podcast. No, no. I don't I don't think. I can't guarantee it. We're no, she huge, might. She might so. be your biggest fan. I don't know. Yeah. Uh please submit questions to at purplebird six one six on Twitter. <laughs> You thank, you, Collins, with, uh, thank you, Collins. Thank you, Collins. Are you sticking with Twitter? Hot mic question. Uh, I mean, for now, yeah. I don't really have like an alternative. I need to learn how to use a Discord and start one and invite the relevant people. I just feel like Twitter is going to end so fast. Like, I'm not going to have a chance to like tell people where to find. It. Like, it feels like summer camp in like the late '90s. We're just <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like I don't know my address. Otherwise, I'd give it to you. I'm nine. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what my zip code is. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll be friends, though. Our parents will make it work. Like, yeah, I'll see you next year, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's all right. This was, this was probably the hardest category for me was best line. I said to bring three. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I have twelve. I, I'm cutting it down, but like, there, there's fucking amazing lines in this oh, movie. Oh, there this were. Is, there were. Yeah. I I brought three, but I was all so you say best line. Looking mm-hmm. it over now, these are all kind of funny lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does yeah. that does that count? Because oh, that that totally counts. I think that's good. That's gonna takes. <coughs> I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving the sneeze in. I think that's gonna take up one of my favorite lines. Light me up, so, Batman. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Love you, Jamie. Yeah. Yep. R.I.P. Yeah. What a way to go. <laughs> um. So first off, so 
Andrea Beaumont is the Phantasm. Has a completely different voice when she is the Phantasm. Yeah, voiced by Stacy Keach. Yeah, really, Stacy Keach yeah. is the. Oh my god, that's awesome. Chucky Soul, yeah. your angel of <laughs> death, death awaits. Yeah. Wow. What a good. Man, I want that voice modulator box. Yeah, it's great like. casting. Yeah. Um. So that was the first line I wrote down. Just because I'm like, Chucky as a kid, soul. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, well, that's intense as hell. Okay. My first was again. I kind of it right out the gate. Alfred coming up to bat uh, to Bruce in the Batcave. He's he's like dressed down Batman. He's not quite Bruce, but he's not Batman. Like a towel mm-hmm. around his waist kind of thing, but the cape's still on. And he's just typing away at his computer. And uh, Alfred says, "I put away your belt and exploding gas balls, sir." <laughs> and it was just... Well, the line before it too, and he's just like, "This person's crazy." And then Alpha goes like, such rot, sir, why you're the very model of sanity. Oh, by the way, I've pressed your tights and put away your exploding gas bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it was such a shit post by Alfred. Love it. Yeah. I, well, that because this Alfred, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I sure. feel like he just nailed the whole, like, he even says it later, not one of my lines, but he's like, um, I think Batman says something like, you barely know me. And he's like, I bet I ought better ought to i powdered your bottom yeah (laughs) like this is this alfred is the most like i'm sick of your shit alfred that there oh for sure yeah and uh i felt that even in the show like they'd animate his like eye roll all the time and so this i just love the way that he delivers this like yeah whatever you're crazy too That's so good. Uh, here's a funny line not like one of my best lines but uh when it's bruce at the party talking with like all those single girls oh yeah and that one girl goes what about the i word and he's like i word and she goes engagement (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty funny that was a good one Uh, and then yeah oh the the chick throws a drink in his face and right after that uh arthur reeves gives him like a handkerchief and then he's like just talking all this shit about like what was that one that got away andrea beaumont and then Bruce is just like, thanks for the handkerchief, Arthur. You know where you can stick it. it. Yeah. <laughs> this Bruce talks shit, and I loved it. I know. Because Arthur Reeves was definitely, like, probably fighting him for her back in the day, I'm guessing. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I have an Arthur Reeves line, actually. This is the one. I actually thought this was a pretty good line to have. He's a... Uh, I forget where he's leaving, but he gets into the car with Sal Valestra and like his goons. Mm-hmm. And Sal's basically like, they're off in all of us. You got to make sure he doesn't get me. Or whatever the hell he's telling Reeves to do. And yeah. eventually Reeves just goes, pull over. It's not very healthy in here. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was a really, that's such a good line. Because, I mean, yeah, he's not like sucking down cigarettes, Balestra. He's just like dying. It's like, damn, dude. Well, no, he's he, he has like emphysema. Because like they always show him in flashbacks, like chain smoking. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so this is, the clo- this is the closest I've ever come to quitting smoking. I'm just like... Uh, I don't want to be like Sal when I'm older. Better, better stop now. Yeah, better. Yeah, you don't want to be pulling an oxygen tank around with you. All the no, it's gonna be so much harder to fight Batman and the Phantasm if I'm on an, an oxygen tank. Uh, well, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he didn't last long. <laughs> uh, when Joker meets up with Sal Valestra, some 
two incredible lines here. Uh, first one was just Mark Hamill going, Oh, Sal, what's an old-timer like you want with a two-timer like me? That was a good one. And, like, I watched Casablanca this weekend, too, and, like, it just feels so perfect. Like, it just, like, fits right into that. Like, it's just so perfectly written for, like, the, the time period they're going for. And then right after that, like, Joker has, like, a manic thing where, like, Sal Valester is, like, pleading with him to help him, and he, like, grabs him by, like, the lapel. And then Joker, like, freaks out. He goes, don't touch me, old man! And then he quickly follows up with, I don't know where you've been. Like, it's just like <laughs> the way he goes from fucking absolute psychopath into like, oh, that's right. Uh, keep it light. Keep it light. <laughs> just fucking incredible. It was so good. Yeah, that's why Mark Hamill is the goat, man. That, yeah. He's such a good Joker. Ugh. Perfect Joker. Absolutely perfect Joker. Uh Next up, uh, the way I see it, the only one in this room controlled by their parents is you, Bruce, from Andrea. Yep, yep. I remember when he, uh, she drops that line. I think I even said, like, ooh! Like, yeah. It's <laughs> me and the dog. But Andy, what will vengeance solve? If anyone knows that, Bruce, it's you. Just like, fuck, another dagger. Yeah. Another dagger right into his ribs. And then uh, the last one I got, I couldn't save her, Alfred. I don't think she wanted to be saved, sir. Vengeance blackens the soul. I always feared you would become that which you fought against. You walk the edge of that abyss every night, but you haven't fallen in, and I thank heaven for that. But Andrea fell in years ago, and no one, not even you, could have pulled her back. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, Alfred coming in with the sage wisdom. Coming in with a save too. You were right. He he was coming in hot, like guns blazing all movie, like really throwing it at Bruce, just like being like, dude, you're kind of like fucking weird. Like you're kind of a little weirdo in your cave with your costume. Yeah. And then he shows up at the end. It's just like, okay, like you're doing this right. She was doing this wrong. I can I can admit that to you. Well, so I I have not watched any of that show Pennyworth that I it's like supposed to explore like the early days of Alfred's life. Mm-hmm. And I, from what I've seen trailer-wise, I know it shows that he was in, like, some crazy army division, like, taking down <laughs> bad guys in the 50s and 60s, etc. Back when but, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, the one from the animated series, and maybe they've gone into his backstory that I've forgotten at this point, but I feel like he was just... Someone who's been with the Waynes forever has no military. Like, he's just buttled his whole life. And it's just like, <laughs> it's weird, but I work here. Roll with the punches. <laughs> is, that the, is, that the, is that the verb? Is, is it buttled? <laughs> I don't know. Well, in Clue, when they ask Tim Curry what he does, he goes, I buttle. Sir. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. So, that's right. <laughs> I'm going off Tim Curry's version. I mean, dude would never lie to us. So. No. No. Uh, my last line that I it was just a random throwaway uh, like punk during one of the, the flashbacks he's about to take take on Bruce it's a, down at the docks I think it's a bunch of biker dudes and then him like midday mm-hmm. yeah. if I recall and this guy gets off and starts swinging a chain or a bat around and he goes better have your insurance paid up sucker <laughs> <laughs> what a thing to yell at someone right before you beat the shit out of them yeah right (laughs) i'm also i'm still trying to figure like paid up as in so it will cover like your 
not going to be out of pocket or like your deductible kicks in or like what what does he mean by this <laughs> yeah. the threat is kind of vague um and i'm just trying to figure out what exactly he means by this is he talking about liability insurance mm-hmm. is this uh yeah yeah so it's just op- operators insurance but he's like what is it i don't know so it's in 1950s there's got to be like better healthcare, better access to healthcare, cheaper so, healthcare. For sure, cheaper healthcare. I mean, I you've talked about it a few times tonight, but uh, I did write on my list, which decade is it? So d- do we have a definitive answer for what this actually is? The The World's Fair that they go to, I read two conflicting reports that it's based off the 1948 World's Fair and based off the 1957 World's Fair, 19... 19- Late 50s, early 60s for the second one. But then we still and have it's, cell phones and computers. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think it's meant to be ambiguous. It's this. It's its own fictitious world. How bad do you want an Arkham game that just looks like the animated series? Uh, I mean, yeah. The, it's cool to like swing around what could be New York City or Chicago, but it's like I kind of want those like Rolls, want, Rolls Royces going down the yeah, street. Yeah, I kind of want Gotham. Like, yeah. can I hang out in Gotham, please? Yeah. I want, and like all the Assassin's Creed games, just because I've been playing them, but like they speak in the, for the time, right? Like as you walk down Mm -hmm. the street, like I remember the Ezio trilogy, they're like, oh, he must be after a fancy lady. If you're like climbing (laughs) up the wall to get in the window. I want to hear these like 1940s-esque, 1950s-esque people slinging lingo as Batman is like driving down or if you're Bruce Wayne walking from building to building, I want to hear them say stuff like they were in the series. Hey, mister, get off the roof of my car before I pinch your pears. Yeah, yeah exactly. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. And pinch your pears needs to be brought into the lexicon of the world. Yeah, we got to make that more common vernacular. We do. Enemy UAV, get indoors and pinch your pears. We've, we've been playing a lot of Modern Warfare 2 lately. <laughs> we have. We have. Moving on to next segment, uh, best fight scene. There weren't a whole lot to choose from yeah and and as you like really eloquently put earlier there's not a lot of batman in this movie like this is mostly like bruce wayne's tribulation and then it's like batman kind of cleaning up bruce wayne's mess for lack of a better phrase so the fight scenes i've got chucky sulfite in the beginning i want to call this one out specifically because that scene where like he goes under the table and the gangsters shoot the table and then he just like lifts it up and throws a table at them and like throws them against the wall. And then the painting falls off the wall and just like collapses over like the guy's limp body. F- fucking amazing. Absolutely so iconic. But that, you know, the movie had to start off with a bang like that. I can't, you can't just choose the first fight scene because. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. I just want to call it that table scene is like badass as hell. Then we got the pre Batman warehouse fight chase scene. Mm-hmm. which I don't particularly care for, but apparently that scene was like a direct ripoff of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like they like specifically use the same type of truck with like the same type of grill for him to get stuck to. Really? I mean, I, I yeah. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and then what you were alluding to earlier, the motorcycle chain gang fight mm-hmm. when it's like him on a date, like it wasn't even like, I think that scene was meant to show that like Gotham was like starting to decay a little bit. Cause yeah. like, that, like you said, like they were attacked like broad daylight, like not far from when they were on their date at the world's fair. And they were just like by the docks. Like there was no, like not even like the shipping docks, but just like, you know, like a Harbor, 
Like there was no reason for like this kind of shady activity of a chain no. gang to, to, be, <laughs> to just be beating up rich yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, next up is Batman versus the police. When like everyone thinks Batman is responsible for offing all these gangsters. When Bullock is like, now is my time to fucking kill him. Yeah. Oh, Commissioner Gordon barely in this movie at all. No. He, he was like, no, I refuse to hunt him down. If you want him, you get him. And Bullock is mm-hmm. like, all like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty brutal scene. I remember like still to this day, like how uncomfortable I was like during that scene when like Batman's cow was ripped off and he's just like in like the suit, but it doesn't have like the, the ears or the cape. Right. Yeah. That part always made me uncomfortable for some odd reason. I'm just like, like it felt like, like seeing your teacher outside of school. You're like, this yeah. isn't like, what are you doing? No, you live there. Like you live in the costume. What are you, what are you doing here, guy? And he's like clearly being hurt too. So I remember young me being afraid for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, next fight scene, Andrea versus the Joker, as we talked about earlier with like the knife and the baloney. That's probably my favorite. I'm, I think I'm going to say that that was my favorite fight scene. Uh, probably the most intense. Of all of them, right? Yeah, because, I mean, most of the other ones that you listed, people probably just wanted to hurt Batman, not kill him. Maybe the, honestly, the cop one was probably the worst. They were firing yeah. rounds at him like there was, the guy from the helicopter was shooting a six shooter at him. They're like, bring me low, I'm going to get him with my magnet. <laughs> like, they were aiming to kill, but all the other fights were like, we're just going to beat you up and take your money. But I feel like Joker and Andrea to a degree where only one of us is walking out of this. Right. They, they really quick, up. really quick on that Batman versus police scene. Did Batman or did the dark Knight just completely rip off that scene? I, you know what? I've thought that before at the end of okay. the movie. I've been like, this seems oddly familiar. Yes. Yeah, I think I've been here before. Yeah. So I've also side note, just because you said, did it rip off? I saw uh, somebody question once Chris Nolan's, um, inception because they're like ducktales the comic did this in like the 80s where you would go into <laughs> dreams and i like read that comic and i was like this is eerily similar so chris nolan is just like going to source material before like mainstream audiences picked up on it and he's like what if i make it cool though and then a movie happened i'm all for what, it because they've been great yeah what if, what if we got joseph gordon levitt to be interesting it's like okay chris yeah I'll do yeah, that. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, final fight scene: uh, Batman and Joker fighting in the model of Gotham. I thought that was a little too gimmicky, to be honest. Oh, I just the f- Joker's face when he's like wearing the top of the building, building. and he's like sneaking around behind, him. <laughs> and then he like tries to stab him with the antenna of the building. Yeah, I I, I think I got to go that one. That's like the one where I still don't understand like why they were fighting. Like, I understand why. Batman wanted to stop Joker because Joker would have killed Andrea. But I have no idea why Joker wanted to kill Batman there. I feel like he he knew that Batman was going to like dodge it or deflect it or whatever. Like He wasn't there to kill... Because Batman ended up being an uninvited guest, right? Like, Yeah. Andrea shows up and he obviously is... Okay, you're telling me the plot of the movie here and like why you figured it out, blah, blah, blah. We're gonna fight, and only one of us is gonna survive. And Batman shows up, and I think he's Joker. Still has his like, you and I are supposed to do this forever. Like, 
it, without mm -hmm. one, there can't be the other. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. don't let some girl come between us. Yeah, so I feel like he was going for the stab with the building top, but I don't think he meant it. I think he knew mm -hmm. he knew Batman was going to roll out of the way, which is really all he did, right? Or did he did he kick him or something? I can't remember. Uh, he did that, and then. <laughs> I got I got some of these points in the uh, questions about the movie slash logic and whole poking. Uh, he did that, and then he like set all those um, like uh, remote controlled vehicles on him, and like like the razor blade planes and, yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, I got some questions about that. Um, all right, actually, you convinced me. Andrea vs. Joker is the best fight scene. You convinced me. I think it's it's raw and it's real. It's just. Somebody, somebody was going to die if Batman didn't show up, and it was probably <laughs> going to be Joker, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, though, even though I guess she, he had the upper hand because he melts her knife glove. Oh, buddy, I got questions. <laughs> <laughs> I got questions. Uh, let's see. Best tug on the heartstring. Hmm. I feel like one of the obvious answers is the ring box when she sends it back but that like the way he reads that message he's like mm -hmm. too soon too young dad says no <laughs> like, <laughs> i wanted to see from his point of view and that's all it says like just yeah like, two words at a time but um yeah it's kind of like a kind of a lonely island moment in hindsight <laughs> right yeah. like at least that liner reading uh if i would my tug on the heartstring is probably the end. The World's Fair is blowing up. Uh, Joker is laughing, and Andrea's got him. And Batman's just like no to both of them. She's mm. saying goodbye, and I think at the same time he knows he's not seeing Joker ever again. Like to some degree, you're gonna miss the guy. Yeah. Um, that and like the helplessness of him being like blown away from the moment, like literally, right? Like the entire yeah. fairgrounds like collapses and then he's just taken away by like the, the current in the sewers or whatever. And he's like blown out to sea. Like he is so quickly removed from any position of power in that moment. And he's just like sitting there like, fuck, this was like literally the future. We're watching our future burn. This is where we went to plan our future. Our, like this is like the most powerful fucking metaphor I've ever seen in my entire life about why I am not allowed to be happy. Exactly. Yeah, I, it's unreal that uh, that he has to go through all this shit. Like he loses his parents and then still has to <laughs> watch all this happen. So is she is she a dick for leaving the the necklace in his back cave at the end? I think that was his. Or sorry, I think that was her nod from the Italian cafe from <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Like, yeah. I mean, granted, we watched Christian Bale fly away and explode in a, like a nuclear bomb, basically, and mm -hmm. he's just assumed dead. She gets this crazy, fun smoke to disappear into. So chances are, like, yeah, th she's just gone somewhere. I do that shit all the time when I'm trying to lose <laughs> the cops. Like, I just yeah, I Irish goodbye. Also, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. Right. Uh, was this movie too early, too late, or just right? Uh, just right. This movie was just right. I mean, I think it was too early. Okay. Just be. I not enough people are having this conversation about it. Like, how, you say that you people 
or pricks when they're like, oh, my favorite movie is Mask of the Phantasm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, those are just the snob versions of us. Had it come out yeah. when we were teenagers, <laughs> and we could have been like, oh, shit, this is probably, like, this might be the end of the Spider-Verse of our, like, teenage years. Okay, yeah. Like, I and we would have understood the plot line going, instead of just being six and three and being like, woo! Like, <laughs> um... <laughs> I think it would have stuck more with us and it's darker tone probably would have been more well received at a later date. And therefore the show maybe would have gotten darker, which may have influenced the movies. Who knows? But I think, right. I mean, overall was, did this come out for you and me or did this come out for like people born in 84, 83? Yeah. For, for, Oh, I was thinking for even later people like for posterity, right? Like, uh, I see. I see your point. I think it was made for the older people. Like I think they kind of assumed that it was teenagers watching the show, True. right? Like it was the people who were ten years old in '89 when the first Keaton Batman movie came out. Yeah, and then I think the show started in '92. Okay, so, and yeah. then this movie came out in '93. So yeah, probably catching you on the end of like I'm not I'm probably not going to go to the theater much more to see animated movies, but Batman, hell yeah. <laughs> This is my last one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, I think it was just right because there was like a huge, huge animation renaissance in the nineties. Right. And all like going back to do, we were talking at the top of the show, it all goes back to Steven Spielberg because he was making who framed Roger rabbit dude got such a hard on for animation that he like kind of revitalized Warner brothers animation. Like that's where, that's why we got tiny tune adventures. Animaniacs. It's like where we got Animaniacs, Freakazoid, like all this stuff that really just put animation back into like, what if we gave a shit about this again, you guys? And then that sort of like sparked competition. Like, I really think like MTV does some of the most thankless jobs of like creating cool shit in the 90s. And like, yeah, there was real world and the challenge and all that stuff, whatever. But like their animation department at MTV was fucking insane. Like, say what you will about the quality of Beavis and Butthead. But I'm talking about like Aeon Flux and like the mask or uh, not, not the mask, uh, the max, sorry, which and uh, fuck, what was the other one? Uh, it's getting a it's getting a movie soon. Clone High. Did you ever watch Clone High? No, I know Aeon Flux. I don't know the max. So. Uh, the max is based off a comic from image like in the 90s by sam keith hmm. but it was like just really gorgeous shit and like i think this is probably why spawn got an animated series at hbo also right spawn has had an animated series yeah it's really fucking good too wow i, I mean i saw yeah. the movie but that was it oh uh, cartoons like way better than the movie <laughs> oh okay I mean, I kind of want to watch the movie again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we're in 92, so we're, we got two timelines going for the movie podcast. Uh, speaking of which, I'm going to ask you this. Do you want to come on and talk about uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Aaron and I? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I right. love that movie. <laughs> perfect. 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 Get excited, listeners. Uh, do you think this movie was missing anything? I mean, I still think it could have used a bit more Batman, but... I think it could have been a little longer, maybe removed one flashback sequence or something and had a bit more of him being Batman just because, Mm -hmm. or maybe more phantasm. Maybe that's what I want. It's I mean, the cover of the movie, the phantasm is like huge and really just when it shows up, it kills somebody and that's about it. But 
maybe some more scenes of Phantasm doing some phantasming shit. Because, uh, I mean, as a kid, I was all about this is not a real human being. Like, I didn't, I was not Scooby Dude yet. And, like, there's a mask mm. of, over, even despite the movie being called The Mask of the Phantasm. But, um,. I, I was like, this is some supernatural being that Batman's going to have to fight. Uh, but I feel like we didn't get a ton of it before you as an audience member realize the plot twist and then also, like, the mask comes off anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but I maybe more, more Phantasm is what I'm going to say. I think that's a really good answer. Um, I almost wanted more backstory not necessarily for uh andrea like i almost wanted like more corruption exposed if that makes sense like uh like we got arthur reeves but i kind of wanted to see like how dirty and how deep he was getting like because of the connections like i almost wanted this to be more more of like a real world story i guess that just like happens to like now involve players like batman and joker and phantasm but like almost wanted to see like oh this actually like changes everything we know about the world we currently live in like i, I could have used like a bigger reveal if that makes sense mm-hmm. like maybe the mob family was more entwined with gotham politics than because like you were saying before they killed off a bunch of mobster families but Maroni and Falcone are never mentioned, and they're the they're the mm-hmm. big heavy hitters. So right. maybe some sort of connection with those. Like, what if the ooh, what if we combined what you think is missing? What I thought, like the phantasm goes to kill an old uh, Falcone, like Don or something like that. But he gets away because we know he becomes somebody later on in the show or something. But like that that could have been a cool. It's now like that's why he is the way he is because he was almost killed by someone like who looked like Batman in the Batman days. Yeah. All right. I think we just fixed everything wrong with this movie. Yeah. Look at all us. the producers. Yeah. We did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the next category. Oh, wait, wait. Can I, I throw this... one more and I'll be quick about it? <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. Take your time. Um, more. And this is, I'm saying this as a 35-year-old man instead of a six-year-old boy, but mm-hmm. more of, like, the gnarly deaths kind of deal. Like, rewatching it, <sighs> Valestra's death, the implications of what he, of what the Joker did are, like, gnarly. They're pretty crazy. Like, it's, first, like, heinous, right? <laughs> yeah. He, whatever he did to kill him and have him die with a grin on his face. And then he rigged a bomb to blow up in his, like, body. <laughs> yeah. It, like, in his pacemaker or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So. That and, who is the person they killed, like, in the cemetery? Isn't that Chucky Saul? Or, no, no, Buzz. Um, Buzz, yeah. I forget what his full name is, but he's the Buzz. Your angel yeah. Death. Yeah. He pushes <laughs> Just the, the thing over on top. The, of the giant statue, like in his, like in an already dug grave. Uh, yeah. Like, let me just knock this sixteen hundred or six hundred pound like piece of marble yeah. right on your face. Yeah. <sighs> Incredible stuff. I got some questions about the movie. Okay. First question. Is that the most disorganized cemetery in existence? Yes. Like it, it looked like it looked like teeth like just sticking out, like 
like a dog's tooth after it like got into a fucking car accident or something. Like every tombstone was going in a different direction, and they were just like pieces of driftwood just popping up out of nowhere. It, it looks like how could you possibly call this like a cemetery? This is just like an accident. I mean, I just assumed because a mobster was going to visit the grave of another mobster that it just was like meant to be a shitty graveyard that isn't really up up kept by the city. Mm-hmm. If that is a plausible answer, we want to believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. They we saw a business called O'Neill Funding Corporation, Adams Tool and Die. Uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams were a creative team that wrote Batman in the seventies, and their run is highly regarded as like one of the best of all time. Nice. Uh, was this the worst proposal ever? Bruce literally says, "Never mind. I'm no good at this. Here, you get the idea," and then hands her the ring. I mean, yeah, it's a from Bruce Wayne. Yeah, you'd expect a little bit more pomp and circumstance. I I take issue with the fact that that box, the ring box, looks really weird. Okay, <laughs> I, don't, I remember seeing it as a kid and feeling it was wrong, and seeing it now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, it's still a weird box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would because he's good at acting the part of playing a rich playboy if he has to pretend yeah. to be a pompous ass he can but so he why? doesn't have to pretend at this point because he's not even fucking batman yet no that's why i feel like if he does he doesn't have he's so good he doesn't have to pretend he should be able to just lay lay just down. do it yeah with, like, okay but uh you know what maybe we allow it because it's into the tender side of things that like oh man he's so thrown off his guard with this woman that he he can't even get the right words to ask her to marry him Mm -hmm. next thing up uh if joker has acid that can melt stainless steel what does he keep it in like you talked about he like shoots out of his flower and it like melts her giant knife hand and it's like what the fuck could that have possibly been safely stored in that it can then melt uh this blade that can like cut into the batmobile like it's, it's a pretty strong blade right yeah i don't that's, maybe it, it's only acid when it hits oxygen. Yeah, was well, he fucking like Joker's a chemist? All right. Uh, follow up question: How did Joker reprogram the knife wife to be a murderous robot? I just assume he knows how to do all that stuff, man. He reprogrammed those little flying planes to. Yeah, that was another question. Yeah, like I don't know. Guy, he, we never know his uh his origin story, right? Isn't that the whole thing? He might have degrees we don't know about. Guy might be an electrical engineer from the 50s. All right. Most people with electrical engineering degrees, I don't think become, you know, uh, heavies for the mob. <laughs> well, he need, maybe had to pay those student loans back and he got in with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Student loans get us again. Thanks, everyone. This is all your fault. <laughs> the government you, is the you reason cr- Joker exists. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Joe Biden, for jack shit. Uh why wasn't the jet engine at the fairgrounds decommissioned? Yeah, that's like it's it's just like, it's just like an active thing that can yeah. create a mini fucking cyclone. Apparently, I know someone just decided one day, like the last guy out, the janitor was just like hitting all the switches and just went, "Well, no one said <laughs> otherwise." So, quick. <laughs> uh, when Batman is fighting the Joker in the model of Gotham City. Is that the biggest overreaction in the universe when the car hits his heel? Yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a weaponized car. It was just like a toy car. 
Yeah, if anything, that would have been a perfect moment for like a ah shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, like it's supposed to be like a dad stepping on a Lego, but like he's acting like he got stabbed. I know he reacts like it like debilitates him for the rest of the night. Like, oh my ankle, fuck, ah, <laughs> oh, god damn it. <laughs> Uh, next up, who's luckier about DNA taking forever to solve as evidence, Batman or OJ Simpson? <laughs> well, Batman... because the OJ, because the OJ Simpson trial is like a year later. Oh shit! <laughs> Do you think Batman would have <laughs> solved the uh, OJ trial? The OJ, I it, probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, got... world's. I mean, we joke about like world's greatest detective, but like it did take him ten years and a fucking. Crayola to figure out who the Joker was. Yeah. <laughs> when he like saw him and like the dude like flicked a cigarette butt at him. It's like, huh, you think you would like put that together sooner? It's like, yeah, yeah he can't recognize Clark Kent without the fucking glasses. And it's just like, oh, because this guy like all of a sudden has porcelain skin, you don't recognize the facial features. Like, okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, whatever he's always doing in his uh, back cave on the computer, I mean, he could. So many animated episodes end with him grabbing some small speck of dust from a scene. He takes it downstairs, puts it in some computer, and it's just like, oh, this is made of 18 subatomic particles, and I can break it down and create a thumbprint. It's like, okay, Jesus Christ. So that, uh, That's one thing that's that's burned in my mind, too, is just like the way he's able to pick up substances with his gloves. Yeah. And it's just it's always like the weird goo that he then like puts onto a, like a, a lens slide. That he just happens to have in his belt at all times. Those oh god yeah so it's... busted oh my god he all he does is get into fights and fall down like yeah, yeah of course that shit would be broken he'd have i don't know what disease you get from glass stabbing into you like i don't think it's like tetanus when you step on like a like a rusty nail uh but it's it, there's got to be something like that right well i mean if he's wiping slime that he finds like oh did Clayface leave this behind let's put it on a <laughs> slot and then it jabs into his body when he lands on a car now he's like yeah. injected with whatever Clayface, yeah. Oh no, this is from Clayface's wiener too. No, uh, <laughs> his four uh, clay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final note: I have the sparkly shit in the cave uh, at the end, where it's uh, Andrew Bowen who left the uh, the jewelry there for him. Uh, they totally ripped that off in a comic book called DC Rebirth, where you'll appreciate this. This is the comic book that sort of like ties the DC universe in with the Watchmen characters. And so he, like, all of a sudden remembers a character who had been dead for several years in continuity line. Or, like, had been, sorry, erased from memories in continuity, not even dead. And then he shows up, and then, like, everyone starts remembering this character. And then there's, like, a glint that happens in the back of the Batcave. And he goes over, and it's, like, the pin from Watchmen. It's, like, the comedian's pin with, like, the the blood drop on Mm -hmm. on the eye. And I think they, I think they kind of ripped this off. Was was that first from, from? Oh no, this this, this was like 2017, 2016. Oh okay. So, so I think they ripped. I think they ripped off Mask of the Phantasm. All right, I believe that. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I do want to know though, just what we're, we we end the movie seeing that Andrea Beaumont is clearly alive and well on the middle of a cruise mm-hmm. ship in the Atlantic or wherever the hell she is. Mm-hmm. What? Batman and Catwoman or Selena Kyle have been through way worse, I feel like, and still reconcile here. And so, there. Selena didn't like murder anyone. I did she didn't? <laughs> I mean not in the cartoon. Well, okay. We don't know that Andrea murdered anybody. 
Because if yeah, this the, is, phanta- the phantasm did. <laughs> well, if if this is not supposed to be the like feather in the cap for the animated series, and this is just like a one off. And then, like, oh, next week, Joker's back and has amnesia about what happened last week. But he's robbing a bear, you know, like, <laughs> All right. then she didn't actually kill anybody. But I'm just wondering, she's, she's kind of put it on herself that she can't go near him. But she clearly can. Like, she could just show back up again one day in 20 years or 10 years or a week. So, Colin, what if I told you she shows up in an episode of Justice League Unlimited. What? That ties together Justice League Unlimited, Batman, the animated series, and Batman Beyond. Oh my god. Do they reference the Phantasm in it? They do. Oh my god. I might have to watch that specific episode then. Uh, I will, do you have HBO Max? Yes, I do. Alright, it's called Epilogue. I believe it is Justice League Unlimited. The Epilogue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called the epilogue, which is funny because I think it's the last episode of season one, and then there's like a thirteen episode season two. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a pretty, a pretty good way to spend twenty two minutes. I promise. All right, sounds good. I'm definitely gonna watch that. Uh, what did this movie change? I think this movie, honestly, is the reason we have like the DC direct market, and so. We like pretty much only talk about Marvel in this podcast. I probably read more DC comics than than Marvel, which is the funny part about this show. But uh, like every quarter, every trimester, I guess of the year, there's like an animated movie that DC releases directly to video. And I think the success of Mask of the Phantasm, not even in theaters because it wasn't hugely successful in theaters, but because of its home video sales, like mm-hmm. that led to Sub Zero, that led to Batman, Superman, World's Finest, like the three part episode that had them team up and which then led to justice league which then led to i, th- I think it's called Starcross, where it is like the the thanagarian war that happens on earth man these dc animated universe pretty fucking good but then starting in 2007 i think was superman doomsday and then we get like three or four of these movies a year where they were about 70 minutes long and i've had lots of conversations with sam Liu, a guy who's directed a lot of these movies really and man yeah he used to come to my twitter spaces all the time it was a lot of fun yeah uh and so we i would just ask him a billion questions just about like the production and like what it was like getting into all this stuff and i like i i think this movie is directly responsible for that entire business and i'll be honest I, uh, I I don't really care for DC or even Marvel movies at this point. Like I'll watch them, but I'm not like necessarily excited to watch them. Anytime a new DC animated movie comes up, I always grab it just because I'm hoping it's going to hit the same way as Mass of the Phantasm. It usually doesn't, but uh, I'm always willing to give them a chance because movies like this one just blew me the fuck away. Is there one? There's a couple that are really good, but a lot of them are more sort of comic book adaptations like year one or or, uh yeah yeah yeah. like those are like that's a really good movie and like the dark knight returns is like a really good movie but it also it it is an adaptation whereas like this is like a completely original story Uh i'm just like oh i've never seen anything like this before in fact i think they only like recently did a comic book that had phantasm as a character in it really yeah is it always andrea beaumont or is it someone else I haven't actually read it yet. I've been waiting for that one to be collected in a trade paperback. Okay. All right. 
because it's kind of like there was this guy named Tom King who wrote like 85 issues, I think, of Batman. And that's like one of my favorite comic book runs of all time. It's fucking excellent. But people were just like, the story's kind of going on too long. So like they cut his run like 10 issues short. And then he decided to release what would have been the next 10 issues as like its own, like out of continuity miniseries. Wow. And it involves the Phantasm. So I'm excited for that to be collected. Future plans for the franchise? Unfortunately, none. Um, I feel like that (laughs) ran its course. I mean, at the time, it had a great future. Yeah. How excited were you for Arkham Asylum? And then how much more excited were you for Arkham Asylum when you found out it was Kevin Conroy? I was so And and, and Mark Hamill. Well, I think, honestly, I... I didn't realize Mark Hamill voiced the Joker until Arkham came out. I was like, wait, what? That's the guy? That Luke Skywalker is the guy? And I went back and watched a few of the episodes. And I was like, oh my god, it is. And uh, I can hear it now, yeah. I mean, that, that game also, that was probably one of the last times I went to a store the day it came out and bought a game. That, yeah. I, that and Beatles Rock Band. <laughs> um, uh, the big two, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> That oh my god, that was such a fantastic game. It looked beautiful. The voice, the story was amazing. Um, the voice acting was so good. Uh, and then I mean, then we well, that and it was ri- it was written by Paul Dini, who like yeah. helped write this movie and like was a you know working on the animated series along with like Bruce Tim and Alan Burnett and Joaquin DeSantos. Like it was just all these people just showing up every week. There's a couple week episodes of the animated series. But not, not like a lot. No, not really. Even the weak ones are still kind of fun. Yeah, right? Uh, let's see. I got something planned for after our last segment, but our final segment. Uh, the Justin Tucker Award for Holy Shit, How Did That Go In? I keep renaming this one. I'm trying not to like lean too much on an existing podcast that does something very similar. Uh, but this is the person who did the most with the least and is just like the person who showed up and kind of just like pushed you over the edge. I got... I got one real answer for this. I think Joker's in the movie too much. I think Batman's in the movie too much. I even think Andrea Beaumont's in the movie too much. Mm-hmm. So I've got two. I've got Sal Valestra and I've got Arthur Reeves. Okay. okay. I'm leaning towards like Sal Valestra, I think sticks with you a lot longer, but I think Arthur Reeves does harder shit. Like when he's like in bed being interrogated by Batman and he's like laughing and you can like see him like crying because mm-hmm. he's in so much pain from like the Joker talks and shit. Uh, I, I think like that moment in particular, it was just like really, really stuck with me. Like it was just like, a, Oh fuck. Like I, like it makes my skin crawl. Just like seeing him in that situation. And the fact that he survived, I feel like most people don't survive their encounters with the Joker. No, they don't. They um, do not. I'd, I'd, I mean, this is probably a, a cheap answer, but Alfred, man. Alfred comes through hard okay. with a lot of the emotional uh, backbone for uh, Batman in this one. Okay. Um, especially because, yeah, his, his whole, like, dealing with first love, which in this show, it's it's always like, oh, you and Catwoman again. Mm. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> this, this is like he's 
he's actually responding to Batman or Bruce being hurt and not in the physical way that he's used to. And I, I feel like he's, right. he, yeah, it's pretty, pretty strong. <sighs> Any closing thoughts on the movie before I read my final thing? Uh, I mean, I don't want to say that they should remake it with updated graphics. And obviously, sadly, they can't because uh, Kevin Conroy. So, um, yeah, I think it's great as is. If they ever adapted this to live action, I'd see it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we started this podcast uh, today, Kevin Conroy is my Batman. So, sadly, he can't be replaced. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what else to say besides, like, when I read a Batman comic, it sounds like Kevin Conroy. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I read a, a Joker panel, like, it sounds like Mark Hamill. Like... I don't know if it was just the age I saw it in. And I was like, obviously incredibly impressionable as like a four-year-old, five-year-old watching these cartoons as they like re-aired on Fox kids. Or if it really is just like, no, the quality is that high. Like that's why it stuck with you. Mm -hmm. Like it it didn't just show up at a time when you were, you know, a blank slate. It, It showed up and just was so much better than anything else you would see for a while. Like doing these characters. Uh, I, I can't speak to which one because again, I was I was so young. But yeah, it's the highest praise I can give. Is like whenever I read Batman, it sounds like Kevin Conroy, and I I'm sure it always will. Yep, yeah, it was a good one. Sad we lost lost a good one last week. We did. So I want to end this podcast with uh, Mark Hamill's words on Kevin Conroy. Kevin was perfection. He was one of my favorite people on the planet, and I loved him like a brother. He truly cared for the people around him. His decency shone through everything he did. Every time I saw him or spoke with him, my spirits were elevated. Kevin was a brilliant actor. For several generations, he has been the definitive Batman. It was one of those perfect scenarios where they got the exact right guy for the exact right part, and the world was better for it. His rhythms and subtleties, tones and delivery, that all also helped inform my performance. He was the ideal partner. It was such a complimentary creative experience. I couldn't have done it without him. He will always be my Batman. Truth. Magic. Well, that concludes this uh, emergency out of hiatus episode of Shortbox Summary. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Please subscribe to at PurpleBird616 on Twitter for uh, however long that may be around. Get your questions in, get your comments in, and uh, let us know what you want to talk about. We don't always have to talk about comics. We can talk more, I guess, sort of out of uh, out of time cultural experiences like this one, just because uh, it really meant a lot. Colin, in fact, should probably play Arkham and talk about uh, Arkham Asylum at some point soon. Yeah, we too. should. We really should. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review, share, subscribe, do all the good stuff that you know will help this show. Because if you found it. That means you can help other people find it too. And we will be back in your ears next week when we are probably talking about Wolverine, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.